This is The God Show, a conversation about the human spirit with your host, Pat McMahon. Oh, and Happy New Year to everybody. And even if you missed the first time around with this segment of The God Show, uh, and it may be March, wherever it is that you are, by the time you caught up with us, uh, it's uh, already probably a happy new year in your life. I hope so. And if it isn't, you know what we're going to do? We're going to make it happier. Uh, I can tell you that at the end of this hour, you're going to know more about the charities of the world, the good ones and the bad ones, and the ones that are somewhere in between, but maybe just a little iffy, and how to avoid the iffy ones, and how to perhaps continue to create a level of success for the good ones, the ones that are doing all the good work around the world. And we're doing that with the help of the president and CEO of an organization called Charity Navigator. Isn't that a terrific name for an organization that does that does what Michael Thatcher is going to be telling us right now? Michael, Michael Thatcher, welcome to The God Show. And let's start with talking about what you do and what the organization does at Charity Navigator headquarters. Okay. Well, thank you, Pat. And I'm delighted to be on the show and able to speak about the work that we do at Charity Navigator. Uh, Charity Navigator is was founded back in 2001, and we've become the nation's largest and most utilized independent evaluator of charities in the United States. And what we're trying to do is help donors find good organizations to give their money to and at the same time allow organizations to have a set of tools to measure their performance against. And your formula, your, your formula, Michael, in general for rating all of them as dramatically different as they all are from one another. So we look at two things right now in um, or let's say two two areas of things we look at financial performance and there are seven financial metrics that charity navigator looks at and then there are what we call accountability and transparency metrics and that is looking at the governance of the organization and how well they are actually run and there's 17 a and t or accountability and transparency metrics and because of the fact that we could take the entire hour just going through uh, the uh, rating standards that you have and how they work, uh, let's let the audience decide to be able to go through the material uh, individually that would be their choice of uh, time and their choice of charity. How do they find the information from you? So. It's actually fairly simple. If you come to charitynavigator.org, you could put in the, there's a search, uh, search bar on the top of the, uh, the homepage and you enter an organization's name and then the search will bring back uh, hopefully the organization that you've put in. In the event that you don't actually find the name of an organization, that's already a telltale sign that this might not be a legitimate nonprofit. Uh, our database has about 1.8 million nonprofits, U.S. registered charities there. So there's a tremendous amount to choose from. And 
once you're there, you will, if for a rated organization, you'll find uh, the ratings page will be available to you and you'll be able to look at their key performance indicators, which are, as I said, the seven financial metrics and then the accountability and transparency performance metrics. So can, can you give us, can give you give us, yeah. can you give us those seven though? That shouldn't take much time if you could briefly yeah. describe what those are. Absolutely. So, um, First of the, in the financials, we're looking at program expenses. So how much money is actually going to the primary program that the uh, nonprofit is actually focused on? The next would be administrative expenses. So how much are they spending on running their business, keeping things going? And, and then the next would be fundraising expenses. How much goes to the actual cost of fundraising? So what does it cost them to raise a dollar? Then there's a fundraising efficiency metric. So again, really looking at the you know cost per dollar um, that they're they're spending. We look at their working capital ratio. So how much money they're actually keeping in reserves in case they have a you know a bad year or some rainy days. We're also looking at program expense growth. So we want to see that the amount of money that's being dedicated to the primary area of focus of the charity that that's actually growing or or shrinking, and that's something that um, we evaluate accordingly. And then the last financial metric are what we call liabilities to assets. So how much debt do they have with regard to their current assets? Michael Thatcher, uh, President and CEO of Charity Navigator, can you give us just a little simple formula that we might be able to use, not necessarily applicable to every single case? but a simple formula that would cause us to say, maybe we better look out for this. Maybe we better look into this a little bit further from the standpoint of uh, administrative expenses versus the money that goes to the actual cause itself. Absolutely. So I think one of the, um, you would like to see the majority of an organization's resources going to address the primary, uh, their program, whether, you know, or their mission. And if you were to see an organization where the majority of their funding is either going to fundraising or to their administrative costs, I would, I would either steer away or I would ask some very serious questions. That is probably one of the key areas to look out for in the financial area. At a governance perspective, you you want to know that the organization has an independent uh, body that you know a board of directors that's actually not necessary that is actually independent and not salaried. So that's mm -hmm. another thing to look out for. Mm -hmm. If you see if you see people that are on the board that are actually being paid, where there's potential conflicts of interest, that's something you want to look out for. The other area, and this is something we track in our ratings, is there has there been a material diversion of assets? So let's say someone went off with some of the money of the organization. And that is that is something that um, it occurs. It's unfortunate. Fortunately, it's not something that occurs on a regular basis. So this is this is an unusual um, occurrence, but it is something that the US government requires charities to report on their tax forms, and that is how we're actually a, where our evaluations are based on the U.S. tax forms that the organizations are submitting, as well as what's on their public-facing public website. 
You know, having been in media as long as I have, approximately 162 years now, I, <laughs> I really find myself not being indifferent uh, to scams and ripoffs, but um, attempting to find out who's doing something about it, who's investigating this. But when I do become close to enraged, it's when I see people taking advantage of other people and their sense of charity, their sense of giving, their sense of philanthropy. That, to me, is so outrageous that it's another level of criminality, as far as I'm concerned. It's, uh, it's so frustrating because our, our inherent nature is to want to give and to help other people. And so when people prey upon that, it's, there's something just inherently wrong. And, you know, our goal is the fortunate thing. I want, I want to say one thing, though, that, you know, fortunately, the majority of the organizations in the nonprofit and in the, in the charitable sector are doing good work. What's challenging is it's very easy to spoof one of these organizations and use a lookalike or, you know, to have a fake charity. And that, because of that, that just creates this inherent uh, fear that maybe I'm going to get taken advantage of. Well, the perfect example to me of that and the one that really hit home, when I was looking at your website, Michael, and I saw a couple of organizations that used words like kid and children and child and wish together. And it hit home particularly because Make-A-Wish, uh, mm-hmm. an, an organization that I, I really am proud of, that began here in Phoenix. Uh, yep. And there are these other organizations that are using wish and kid uh, and it seemed as if it was one of those things that somehow uh, the uh, the copyright on the name itself would be infringed. That's and that is something that um, you know that, that using using a very similar or close to the same name often happens. There's nothing illegal in that. If there is a copyright infringement, then or or let's say a trade trademark infringement, at that ca- in that case, I do believe an organization the size of Make a Wish would take proactive action to to request that the name not be used. But using using those words is actually you can't stop it. And if you believe you're giving to Make a Wish and you're you know you're wishing wishing a child or some other name, that's um, that's tricky. And according uh, and according to your rating system, uh, a couple of those organizations have not fared well. Exactly, and I think that's where you can. I would be cautious. And one thing you can do, if you if you're unsure, you you look the organization up. If one thing that Charity Navigator does, we we rate nine thousand about nine thousand organizations every year. Whoa. But as I said before, there's over there's well over a million. There's over a million and a half. But the organizations that are in our database of that 1.1.6 million is they're actually legitimate registered 501c3 charities with the IRS. So that is 
that is one level of assurance that you know you're giving to a legitimate organization. The other, which we haven't actually talked about, but is, you know, is it an organization where I can have a tax deductible donation made? And that is, um, we won't, we actually have a giving basket which allows you to make donations directly to organizations. We won't let you give to an organization that will not, that doesn't actually give you the eligibility for the tax deduction. So that is another level of safety if you're worried about the, the tax deduction. And then the last point is, you know, the, the big name organizations, we rate them because the, of the 9,000 we rate, we are looking to evaluate the, the ones that are the most familiar, the most well-known, so that you have a level of, uh, of assurance when you make a donation to those organizations. I can't tell you how indebted we are already on The God Show. Now, this is a show that goes internationally uh, on the Star Worldwide Networks, and so people not just here in the United States, but around the world, with the same kinds of needs for information like this, uh, are listening to this now, finding out how they might be able to do a little homework for themselves and with the help of an organization like Charity Navigator, make sure that their money, their philanthropy, their sensitivities are all going in the right direction and to the right place. Our attorney general here in Arizona just a couple of weeks ago uh, did a broadcast, and in it, he just basically said to people, if you're being solicited for money on the phone, don't give it. Uh, If you are uh, finding that people are coming to your door unsolicited, don't hand them money. Are those two basic rules applicable to the philosophy of Charity Navigator? I think so. In the sense that two things. One is receiving solicitations is not a reason to not verify. Because someone has a compelling story and they manage to get your attention, whether it's on the street, at that when you're sitting down to dinner and they give you that call at six in the evening, or someone literally coming to your door, they may have a compelling story, but you still have the right to validate. You may also have a very clear set of organizations or type causes that you care about. And if this is not part of that, you shouldn't feel bad about saying no. You should feel good about saying, I support these organizations and I've done my homework. The other thing that I'll just add one more point is someone can give you an idea for a good organization through one of these uh, cold calls or solicitations, doesn't mean you have to give right away. Do, do a little work. Look them up on Charity Navigator and see if they're, uh, if they're legitimate. At that point, and if you still believe in the cause, by all means, make a donation. But don't, don't, get, don't do the quick sell, right? You, you don't have to act immediately. Are there do other that. caution signs, Michael, that you could share with the audience just simply about giving to an organization that you're not familiar with or that might sound familiar but may not necessarily be the organization you think it is? Well, the first thing I would say is be proactive in your giving. So think about what's important to me and what about it is important. So let's say you care about... 
um, cancer. Well, what cancer? And then what about cancer? Is it, is it coming up with a cure for a specific form of cancer? Is it providing care for the cancer patient? Is it providing care for the children of the cancer patient or the extended family? There's, there's so many different um, parts of illness that one can uh, dedicate one's resources to. And a lot of times I think we're driven to do something in the area of, let's say, cancer because we have a personal story associated with it. And so follow that. Follow your heart in finding the cause and the area that you want to focus on, and then get real specific in finding an organization that actually does something about it. Now, what's interesting about what we're saying there is that it's actually the donor being specific versus the donor being the recipient of some solicitation. And so really it is about being proactive because we do want to give and it feels good to give, but why not, why not have it really be something I care about? And then the next thing is, you know, I'm kind of saying it, but is, you know, research before you give, but look them up, look them up, you know, do a Google search on them, do a charity navigator search and see if they have a rating. I would, you know, you should feel very good about making a donation to a three or a four star rated charity. These are, these are top run organizations. Um, the next thing is think about your gift as an actual investment and discuss, you know, if you're depending on the size of your gift, uh, I would get on the phone or even send an email to the organization and say, you know, how have you done with gifts of this size in the past and what are your results? Tell me about the impact you're making in a, as an organization. Mm -hmm. Very often you'll have people tell you about the problem. Can they tell you about the impact they're making and resolving or moving towards a solution towards in that problem area. You know, Michael, uh, I was really quite surprised at the variety of categories of causes uh, that would appeal to virtually anybody. And one of them would always reach out and touch some individual, some family. And when I was looking at the rated organizations, they included sports organizations, kids sports organizations. They, uh, they surprisingly, I think to a lot of people, included a, a number of religious groups or at least groups with a name that would suggest that they were affiliated uh, with a, uh, a denomination or a religious cause. But the ones that really, really get me are the ones who have police or law enforcement in their title, or, and this was a very recent news story, the, the fallacious veterans charities, the money that you think will be going to assist our fighting men and women in God knows what part of the world, and then you find out that you've been taken. Elaborate on that. Sure. And I think it's interesting. Um, in the veterans cause area, there are over, oh, well over 50,000 organizations in the United States from very small uh, organizations that are, you know, run, you know, run by an individual of a family member to multi-billion dollar organizations. And so given given that uh, the size of, let's say, that, that particular sect, 
segment of the nonprofit sector. There's a lot of opportunity for real good. And unfortunately, there's been tremendous opportunity for not so good. And I don't know why uh, the veteran space has, has attracted this more than necessarily other spaces, but it's an area where maybe maybe it's the fact that we really do care about the men and women that have actually served our country and protected us. And as a result, it's um, it's an easier sell. And so you can take advantage of, uh, because everyone, I don't know too many people that don't have a family member that hasn't served in, in some generation or part of their family. So we all have, we've all been touched by the military efforts of our country. Absolutely. And we all want to, we all want to support the, the men and women that have served us. So it's a, it's a um, highly, highly emotional area. And perhaps that is the, the reason. I don't, I can't tell you why on a, um, for any other reason than that. That's more of a, a hunch than a, than an educated, um, an educated re- remark at this point. And the anger inducement of veterans organizations that are legitimate and uh, do such good work and have for generations and generations and generations, uh, they're hurt when a news story comes up, as happened in the last couple of days, about some veterans causes the so-called charities purporting to provide care and assistance and medical care and all of those things for the people who are deployed over and over and over again. Uh, And you find that not any of the money is spent on veterans. It's just a total ripoff. Now, I'm, I'm assuming that Charity Navigator is on top of that. We are. And, and one of the things that, you know, and it's interesting, I remember one of the first uh, interviews I did when I, when I came on as president and CEO of Charity Navigator was with regard to a veterans organization where 90% of their money was going to fundraising activities. And, and we gave them as they had a zero star rating. We actually evaluated the organization. It was a $10 million organization in, in annual revenue. And all of that money was going to the wrong places. We gave them a zero uh, star rating. We had an advisory on them. So one of the things that we do, if there's really inappropriate behavior, Charity Navigator has an advisory system where we go from low, moderate to high. And there'll be a list of names there where you'll you'll actually see organizations that um, something has either been, something is actually categorically wrong and they've been condemned of some crime. There may be an attorney general's um, uh, investigation going on. And then there may be um, a news story or someone has done some, some digging to see that something might not be right. One of the challenges is, and so, for example, with this one organization, I remember we had had the advisory up. We'd had the zero-star rating for a couple of years. And it takes some time. And what has to happen is that the Attorney General's office has to receive complaints from the state where the, the behavior is inappropriate. And at that point, then legal action starts. 
Charity Navigator is not in a position to actually do that, where we can flag things that we see from the finances and from other activities. But um, if people see something that is categorically wrong or illegal, they should contact their local attorney general's office for the state that they're in, and they should issue a complaint. The best thing you can do. I remember a couple of years ago, and I think that my memory is fresh about where the investigation came from. I believe it was CBS 60 Minutes that did an investigation on wounded warriors. Do you remember that? I do. And uh, it, it was shocking the amount of money that was spent on events and extremely expensive resort trips and vacations. And now I do recall that after that uh, investigation, uh, that the uh, executive uh, that was responsible for uh, the misspending of the funds was let go. Now, should we automatically say, well, that's it, that cleans things up, so we know they're okay now because that guy is gone? I'm talking about them or anybody else. Is it that simple? It's, it's, um, it is and it isn't. <laughs> And let me let me speak about it because Wounded Warrior Project is actually they're a good organization, and they are they have some good programs. There was they went through they went through this period, and in other organizations you'll go through a situation where someone or a group of people act inappropriately, or there's perception of it, and then the organization addresses it and may still be a really solid organization that something bad happened or something inappropriate happened and they go through a course correction and they re-engage and they they're able to rebuild. So one of the things, you know, if you look at, at that particular organization as a case in point, that particular incident had a, about a cost of 30% drop in their revenue over the fall the year that followed that. Mm. It's huge. And unfortunately, because they were a you know, multi hundred million dollar organization, that meant a lot of people lost jobs and a lot of, of programs that were actually helping vets ceased to happen. So it was a net negative experience for everybody, and it actually had a negative experience on the veteran sector itself. And at the end of the day, the sad, the, sort of the sad derivative of this is that vets actually get less services as a result of some of these things. So there's, um, when there's inappropriate behavior, it has a ripple effect that can be really damaging. That said, if you believe in an organization and the work that they're doing, when they go through a hard time, don't abandon ship. Actually find a way to engage with them mm. and build contingencies in your giving. And because they need that, they need invested donors. And so once you believe in an organization, stick by them. They have a hard time, get, 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 in, their, get in their business it, and it will help. Talk to us about Giving Basket. So the Giving Basket is something that we, we initiated a couple of us in 2016. Uh, Giving Basket came online. And what we realized was that people were coming to CharityNavigator.org for their searching and studying and researching of organizations. And they wanted to be able to give directly from within our rating pages. So we, we enabled that. And we also enabled the ability to give to multiple organizations. So you can set up in the same way you would let's say on Amazon or another online uh, platform, you would, you would 
set up a giving basket and you would have multiple things in your basket before you actually went to checkout. What our giving basket allows you to do also is if you like, you can give anonymously. Let's say you don't want to be receiving solicitations after you've made your gift. We give you that opportunity. It also um, gives you annual reporting. So you'll get a nice um, itemized receipt of the different gifts you've given over the year and um, lets you track your giving in, in a way that um, you may not necessarily do uh, otherwise if you're giving on individual websites or responding to physical mail through checks. So that's, that's another side of what the Giving Basket will do. And then something I mentioned earlier is that the Giving Basket allows you to know, you know that you're giving to a legitimate 501c3 organization, which will give you, you know you're giving to a legitimate uh, charity and you know your, your donation will be tax deductible. And you can find out more about Giving Basket, of course, uh, and virtually all of the activities and the ratings of charitynavigator.org. And as Michael Thatcher said, his president and CEO, in order to just simply do your giving right, you have to be proactive. Uh, as opposed to donating beyond my means because I feel guilty. What about that motivation, Michael? I think that's something we have to be really careful about. And um, there's, you need to be careful about, you know, not overgiving because then you can't get it back. And one, one thing that does help is if you know, if you can set an annual budget on your, on how much you plan to give, and stick to it. One one thing that is growing in popularity and is actually really helpful to nonprofits is to sign up for monthly recurring gifts with a direct, um, you know, taking off of your credit card. Whether you know it's you set the amount, you know it's going, you know what it'll be annually, and then the nonprofit gets that um, monthly uh, monthly gift. That's a great way of doing it. The one thing I would say is when you set your annual budgets, leave yourself a little, um, I don't know what you'd want to call it, but it's almost, you know, leave a small amount of money that is undedicated, particularly if you are wanting to help in the, in the event of a crisis, whether it's an environmental crisis or a human crisis. We're often drawn at those times, and we've had some significant uh, disasters in the last couple of years. And budget, it's hard to say this, but you really need to budget for it. And so you may have the causes you believe in and you want to support annually, but you should leave yourself a little bit of room for unexpected, unexpected giving. When you're talking about disasters, you just reminded me of a Christmas season a few years ago uh, when an organization called Food for the Hungry headquartered uh, here in the Valley of the Sun, and uh, they invited me to go after that hyper-disaster, uh, the tsunami uh, that uh, killed so many along the Indonesian coast, uh, and uh, invited me to go over and uh, to do broadcast reports, along with some educators, along with some grief counselors, and so on. 
And one thing that I observed in, in this area, this was only about a week, week and a half after the actual tsunami itself. It was in an area of Indonesia, the Aceh province in uh, Sumatra, that was notoriously anti-American, politically, uh, on, on every level. And yet, the service organizations were doing such quality work, sometimes outside their specific specialty fields. Sometimes they would get into a neighborhood and help uh, install sewer pipes and water installations, even though it wasn't something that they normally did. But because of their work while I was there, you could see the attitude of the residents of that part of Indonesia change dramatically, welcoming yeah. us, and all because of the work that was being done, not just the checks that came in. Comment, if you will. I think the, you know, the ability, and even your experience, and your ability to engage directly is so powerful, both in terms of what you gave while you were there, but then also how the people receive and that it's a unifying effect. It's absolutely wonderful because the, I agree with you. The, um, the people that were in need, they needed help and the, and the faces and the hands that were helping them were from all over the world. And that's the beauty of charity. And, it, and on some levels, many of us are not able to jump on an airplane and go do something. And so we're, we're limited to writing a check. Um, it's interesting, your story. I remember when I was planning a trip to Nepal and the, when the big earthquake hit uh, a few years ago, mm -hmm. I was literally, my immediate reaction was I was planning the trip. Why don't I go and help? And I did a little research at the time and I was told, uh, please don't help. <laughs> In, in the sense that I had no qualifications to do earthquake relief. I didn't speak Nepalese. I, I wasn't going to be, I wasn't going to be useful there. I might actually become a liability in, in an aftershock. And so it was a, it was an interesting experience for me, which I wanted that experience of engagement, but I actually, at that point I did write a check because I wanted to help and I couldn't actually engage. And so there's, I think there's, um, if you're going to engage directly, ensure that what you're doing is going to be useful. And the same goes, it's the same is true with sending, um, sending clothing or food. For example, this was something that came up in the, in the hurricanes in the United States. There was an immediate um, desire to do something. And for example, people were, uh, there was a surge in, in blood donations. There was a surge in food and, and, and gifts down to, let's say, to Texas and to, to Florida. And it's, you need to make sure that there's an actual need and an ability for people to process and actually do something with it. So uh, ask some questions before you, before you jump on an airplane or before you send, uh, send food and clothing. And that probably is great advice for virtually every philanthropic offer. Just ask a few questions. Yes. <laughs> Let me ask you yeah, one now. Let me ask you one, and sure. this just this is not considered to be at least I don't consider it to be some kind of puzzle or a conundrum. Uh, it's something that I think people do face when making choices. Hypothetically, uh, 
say I have someone in my family uh, that suffers major sight impairment, and I have an opportunity to give $42,000, for example. I have that much that I can give philanthropically to a cause that's close to me in this area. But how do I decide whether my $42,000 should go to train a seeing eye dog or $42,000 for surgeries that might research successfully how to cure blindness? Oh, it's a wonderful question, um, for which I have only a personal, I can only give a personal answer because it's, and I think that's ultimately what, um, it goes to where do I, where do I see the greatest possible benefit and, and how do I personally measure that? And yes. How does, how does that happen in your life personally? Yeah. And if I think of, um, the well-being of one individual aided by a seeing eye dog, because you, you know, it's interesting the amount you give it costs, I think a little bit about $50,000 to train a dog to be capable of being a, a qualified seeing eye dog, which is quite expensive um, for just helping one person. Whereas the benefit of curing a, a particular cause of blindness, because I think there are many causes for blindness, which could help, essentially thousands of lives and so um there's a there's a, a movement within the within the charitable space called effective altruism which would categorically go with the the latter of the two examples and wanting to save and improve the quality of the the most possible number of lives uh and or life the life being the unit the ultimate unit of measure um but I think this really becomes it, it becomes almost a it can become almost a religious debate as to how you look at it. And mm. I think in, from my own perspective, my interest with regard to blindness lies in looking at cures for blindness. But that that's very personal. Why? Um, why? Why? Because I, I, I see. Well, part of it is, I would say, even in my whole what I do right now, running Charity Navigator, what I did before and working in um, international development and working for, you know, I worked for Microsoft for a number of years. What, I, what interests me is how to, how to solve problems at scale that, that affect, positively impact thousands of lives. And so that's been an area of focus for me. Um, if you look at Charity Navigator, we're looking to have an evaluation system that can scale across thousands of organizations and help donors make sense in, in their giving process. And so that is, that's been a, that's been a, a major theme in my life. And so that's, I guess the, uh, the basis of my response. Well, I'm going to make this an even more personal yeah. Yeah. Uh, conversation uh, because sure. I love this subject so much and I am so loath to uh, in any way aggrandize the organizations that are not doing the work that they're supposed to be doing, that they, that they tell people that they are doing. So I'm going to make this even more personal. And I know that it's out of your sphere when it comes to charity navigator, but something just occurred to me. You're a New York guy. So you're driving through the Bronx 
Mm-hmm. And you're about uh, three blocks from Yankee Stadium. And there's a guy on the corner with a sign around his neck. We'll take anything. Merry Christmas. Uh, crippled veteran. Uh, and, uh, and he's dressed pretty shabbily. Now, I have been told by some people in the charity field that they never give to those people, not because necessarily suspicions about uh, substance abuse or anything like that, but because there are so many other alternatives for that person than standing on the corner. What do you have to say? Hmm. So I am, um, there are alternatives. The reality is that that's a, that's a value judgment on the capability of the human being in question that I really know nothing about. So this may be, this may be an individual who is perfectly capable from, you know, cognitively and and mentally and, and, or not. And they, a lot of the street people in New York city, sadly, are, have, have mental disability. Yes. And so they may not be able to pick up a musical instrument and make, you know, pretty sounds on the subway and, and otherwise. And so there's, I, I tend to shy away from the um, from going down that path. I and and to be quite honest, I periodically do give handouts on the street, even though I'm also looking for how can I solve major problems because that individual there, he's not he's not a major problem. He's someone that's he's one of the many uh, symptoms of a problem, but he's not the, that's mm. not the root cause. Mm. So I'll make I'll make a, an educated. Uh, donation to organizations that may be working on root causes around homelessness with vets. But I, I, um, the guy on the street, he's suffering. He needs help. And and, and, uh, this is one that actually I was, um, if you follow the opioid addiction problems that we have in the United States. Absolutely. And you have a, you have a lot of organizations that are looking for, we've got to get to the root cause and, we shouldn't be, you know, let's not let's not care for the people that are actually suffering right now. Let's focus on root cause. Well, I'm sorry. There are a lot of people that are suffering right now. And, and so it's a it's not an either or it's an and. And on some levels, the guy on the street is still a guy on the street that needs some help. And we need to focus on root causes. And so that's it. Um, and guess what? I may give him a dollar. I'm not going to get I might give a lot more to the organization that's focused on root cause. Mm-hmm. And so I. I and that, that to me, that works within my own personal logical framework. Does Charity Navigator uh, rate international organizations too? We were talking about you in Nepal, me in Indonesia, uh, and uh, those areas that are suffering from specific disasters. But what about the charities in Mumbai and in uh, Central Europe? The great question today. Um, our evaluation system is based on the IRS tax form, and so as a result, we will rate international organizations if they have a presence in the United States and they're filing uh, they're filing a um, an IRS form 990 uh, with the U.S. government. That said, there are other organizations out there which can can help in um, in finding lo- small local uh, international organizations. Uh, which, you know, can help donors in that who want to really, let's say you want to help a local Nepalese uh, 
uh, organization in in some of the disaster relief, which is still ongoing, by the way, from the from the earthquake in Nepal. Um, that you know, working with those organizations would be the best way to find local uh, nonprofits, because we don't at this point. But um, that doesn't mean we won't necessarily get there one day. Yours is a fascinating organization. It really is, and uh, I remind everybody listening right now. Uh, to make your own value judgments about specific charities uh, that you're looking at, maybe that you're involved with now, through charitynavigator.org, which causes me to ask the question that some of our listeners are asking right now. Who checks you out? <laughs> right now, it's a great question. and um, And one thing that, you know, I would be. Uh, I, I need to say is that we are we are a nonprofit ourselves, and we we rely exclusively on charitable donations to to exist and do the work that we do. We have we publish our own information, so we we put ourselves through the same evaluation process that other uh, that we use to evaluate other nonprofits. You will look right now, and if you look at Charity Navigator, you'll see there is no rating right now. There is just the financial information. And the reason for that is based on our own criteria, we do not technically qualify for a rating. Mm. That's going to change. Um, we have um, the history of Charity Navigator is we're 16 years old, but we were initially a private foundation, which meant all our money was coming from a single source. About just just shy of seven years ago, we converted to becoming a 501c3 charity ourselves. And our ratings methodology right now requires that organizations have filed seven years of 990s before we will evaluate them. We will, we will be filing our seventh, uh, we're in our seventh year right now. So at the end of um, our fiscal year ends on June 30th, at the end of this fiscal year, the next, when we get our tax form back from the IRS, we will be issuing a star rating on Charity Navigator. So that is one way that we are evaluated. The other is that we um, we have our information on a sister site or um, one of our partners, which is GuideStar, and they we've um, we are a platinum uh, deal charity, which is not necessarily a rating as well as it's more of a transparency which reveals information of our results and of what goes into the platinum seal at GuideStar. So we, we try and have everything available and open to the public for their evaluation and scrutiny. So I'm happy to answer any, any, any questions people have. Good. That and that was important for the audience to know. And here's, here's something else that's important because this is – a question that I have heard probably more often than anything else in your field. People who say, I don't give to that organization or this organization or this charity because they clearly are spending so much money on media to promote themselves and to ask for your donations or to say thank you for past donations. They're doing so much in that field that I don't think that the money could possibly be well spent. What about those familiar organizations that ask for our cars, 
uh, or ask us to help out a child in need on the other side of the planet. And they're on radio and television everywhere. So one, one thing to look at, and probably the easiest way to, to get beyond however media savvy or not an organization is, is to really challenge them on their results and the impact that they're making. And so it doesn't matter how well you solicit funds, it's how well you spend them and how effective you are as an organization. And if one of these organizations gets your attention and the causes that they claim to be supporting interests you, I would ask them, so how are you, how, I understand the problem space. Tell me the difference that you've made in the world. Mm. And, and here's the other thing. Think of this. If you do think about your charitable giving as, as you would an investment, what do you do with your investments? Well, you look at them every now and then and you see, are they going up? Are they going down? How are they, how are they faring? And what I would do here is let's say you've, You've done some research. You find an organization you like. Give them, give them some money. And then check in with them six months later. Check in with them a year later. And particularly before you give them a second donation, because I would, you know, if you're giving to an organization, I would think about this is an organization I want to support if they do well with my money. And go back and ask. Particularly, this is the time of year where most most uh, fundraising drives happen. Now is when most charities will be doing their solicitations. So when they when you get to this kind of year, they're going to have staff ready, ready ready and waiting to take your checks, but also to take your questions. And if they can't ask, answer your questions adequately, you need to you might want to think about you know looking at looking elsewhere. There's plenty to choose from, and you can get a lot of that information. Uh, without even making direct contact, if somebody's hesitant uh, to uh, to have that kind of a conversation one on one, you can get a lot of that from your organization, right, Michael? CharityNavigator.org. Absolutely. And one of the things that we've just we've we added to our nonprofit profiles uh, a little over a year ago, and we now have over fifteen thousand organizations on our which have some form of results or impact information on their profiles. And so both rated and unrated organizations will, you'll be able to see, you know, what have they accomplished in their own words? It, it's, um, you know, it may be number of people served, or I mean, that sounds a little cliche, but it's actually, it, it's relevant. If you're, if you're serving meals in a, in a shelter, then you want to know how many meals have been served. And you, you know, you, you can dig in deeper and ask about the quality of the meals and what was in the food that was given to people. But these things matter. And you want to see that they're actually doing what they say they're doing. You get something in the mail, Michael Thatcher, and the, the organization sending that to you does not know that you're Michael Thatcher, president, CEO of Charity Navigator. They just know that you're the person at that address. And so you look at the solicitation by mail. What would cause you to immediately reject that solicitation? Hmm. 
so and again this is personal i'm not particularly drawn to the um the freebies that are often included in some of these mailings um my preference is you know you know don't send me a nickel or a dime don't send me uh mailing address labels i don't these things don't they don't that doesn't work for me and that tends to have i have a negative reaction to that i also have a negative reaction to uh sort of the, the strong uh negative imagery versus oh. articulating you know showing me um a dying child oh. is less effective for me than showing me how you're actually driving towards a solution and, and showing me a happy child that's been fed after your program. I want to see the results of your program, not the, not the problems. I'm aware of many of the world's problems. Not all, clearly not all. But I want to see that you actually have a solution, not just a problem that you're waving in my face. As you've traveled the world, Michael, uh, for Charity Navigator and perhaps for Microsoft and other facets of your career, do you find that the same problems exist internationally as exists as exist now in what is still the most affluent nation in the world? Absolutely. We, you have different degrees of homelessness, of illiteracy, of um, malnutrition, um, reintegration of veterans uh, into society. These are these are global problems. The reintegration of veterans. That's very interesting, because uh, it just simply never occurred to me uh, that that the French returning veteran coming back from the Middle East uh, or the person, oh, or the military coming back from uh, a, a foray into some other part of the world, back to his home in Russia, uh, I hadn't thought about the fact that yep. they might be faced with the same level of indifference that so many vets are faced with here. It's it, uh, it's interesting. I was I came in contact with an organization which was looking at the connection between vets from the UK and the United States. And uh, the slogan was, we fight together, we heal together. And this was looking particularly at men and women who'd suffered brain injuries and how, you know, teaming together between, you know, again, think about it. When a lot of the military action, same as the disaster relief action, it's often international entities, um, coming from multiple countries that are engaged in Afghanistan, yes. in Syria, in Nepal, in uh, Haiti. Whether it's, whether it's a military conflict or a disaster relief, where people are going in there, they're, and they're actually, things, bad things happen. And, and then they're needing to process that and reintegrate. We're, it's an international phenomenon, and it's something. One, one of the, and we're sort of going down another path, but it's the ability for organizations to collaborate on some of these things and internationally be such a huge benefit to the world. And this program, hopefully, is 
a benefit to you wherever you are in the world listening to The God Show. Because if you've left with nothing more than just simply this simple request of the part of Michael Thatcher, President and CEO of Charity Navigator, do your homework before giving. And Charity Navigator can offer you the opportunity to let them help you do that. CharityNavigator.org. You've been listening to The God Show on the Star Worldwide Networks. Worldwide Networks. Worldwide Networks. Worldwide Networks. Worldwide Networks.